0: Love thy neighborhood. Okay. Oh, cool. oh definitely. <laughs> oh. Discipleship and
1: missions Mission. for, for modern, modern times. You know, sevens are notorious for anticipation. Like, it's going to mm. be so amazing when I get there. Instead of living in the moment, and I feel mm. like if the Lord had not woken me up to this, I would have missed so much of life thinking about the possibilities that I would one day get to, but in that season and in this season, I, it's the same thing. It's the rectangle. What does this season hold for me? How do I do this well? Mm. So it, you know, I adjust it according to honestly, the ages of my children and what's happening inside of that, because that is the limits. I want to be present with my kids. And so how do I find joy and satisfaction inside of that?
2: This is a show about self-discovery.
1: About
0: understanding ourselves.
1: About looking into the mirror to see the good, the bad, and the unknown of who we are.
0: This is about how we relate to God
1: and everyone else.
0: From Love That Neighborhood in Louisville, Kentucky. Welcome. 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 To the IniaCast. <laughs> Hey, welcome to the Enneacast. I'm Jesse Eubanks. And I'm Lindsay Lewis. Every episode, we walk you through the Enneagram and we help you build better relationships. And today, we are continuing our series on the nine desires. If you haven't already, go back, listen to episode 85 with Dr. Kurt Thompson, where we laid some of the key foundation around exploring desire.
2: In this series, we're going to start with two foundational ideas. Number one, God created humans to desire. It's just how we are made. And number two, our desires are drawn toward what we find beautiful.
0: So in thinking about what do we find beautiful, in this episode, we are going to focus on every person's desire to be happy our desire to be satisfied, our desire to experience joy. This desire to be happy is actually closely tied to the head triads, kind of overall desire Mm -hmm. for safety and security. I am trying to figure out where I am and if that place is secure for me and for those that I care about. In other words, I wanna seek out the things that are gonna make me happy,
2: that are gonna help Mm -hmm. me experience joy. So if you find this to be one of your driving desires, you may be a type 7 or a member of the head triad.
0: Okay, so when it comes to the desire to be happy and fully satisfied, we have three paths that we can take. What happens when the desire to be happy all the time becomes exaggerated? What happens when the desire to be happy becomes diminished? And what happens when the desire to be happy is actually healthy? So let's kick things off in thinking about what happens when this desire to be happy just takes over. It is all the landscape all the time. What's going on here?
2: Well, when this desire becomes distorted and exaggerated, we may constantly feel unsettled. We might become unreliable because we fear commitment and we fear limitations being put on us.
0: Because they may make us unhappy.
2: Right. We take our desire to be happy and we settle for these momentary pleasures. And in order to continually obtain these pleasures, we sacrifice contentment, deep relationships, and discipline. And then we actually never feel fully satisfied. And that leads us to our deadly sin of gluttony which is the habitual excess fueled by an avoidance of pain and an entitlement to pleasure. So we're just like, I need more happiness, Mm -hmm. more happiness, more things that make me feel happy in my mind. And all of our friends are like, dude, sit down at the table. Mm -hmm. Just eat Mm -hmm. a meal with us. Mm -hmm. Just come over for a boring game night.
0: Mm -hmm. And and of course, like the desire to be happy is like, we should all want that. Like, you know, that's a good desire. But it is true. I mean, even as you're talking, I'm sitting here thinking, I'm like, I mean, this, it's got all the the earmarks of addiction. You know, it's like that first time that I felt that degree of happiness, that Mm -hmm. degree of joy, and I'm chasing that all the time, but I got to up my game in order to get that same feeling, you know, Mm -hmm. and then eventually it becomes, I have no tolerance for anything that makes me uncomfortable, anything that makes me unhappy, anything that makes me feel anxious.
2: Right. So this all reminds me of the parable of the seeds in Luke 8, where Jesus is talking about the seeds, you know, that fell along the path, that fell on the fertile soil. And he talks about the seeds that fell among the thorns. And he said, these are the ones who have heard. And as they go on their way, they are choked with worry and riches and the pleasures of this life. And they bring no fruit to maturity. Yeah. And so I just hear a warning there that is in all of us, not just sevens, of we get worried. And so we're like, well, maybe I need more money. Maybe I need more fun. Maybe I need more food and drink. And then we end up not actually growing into maturity. Mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm. So when we talk about an exaggerated desire, Mm -hmm. you know, right right now we're going to talk about the exaggerated desire for happiness, but all of us, we have some level of exaggerated desires. We need to consider the role of grief and trauma in our story. Those of us who long to be happy and really have this, you know, it's not just a a longing to be happy, but it's a fixation. Mm -hmm. It is... I have to have it or else, Mm -hmm. and I'm willing to do whatever it takes to experience those things. When we find that coming out, we may have experienced themes in our childhood and our adolescence around a loss of paradise or even a prolonged childhood. Mm -hmm. And we might have received the message that it is not okay to depend on others for anything. If if I depend on other people, they're going to let me down. If I depend on other people, they're not going to take care of me. They're not going to show up. It's up to me to go generate my own happiness mm-hmm. and to go find the pleasure that I feel is necessary for life.
2: Yeah, and maybe even your family relies on you to be that, yeah. even as a child. That's like you're the entertainer, so mm-hmm. you always feel this impulse to, like, dance, to be the jester, mm-hmm. you know, and that's how you feel love. Because mm-hmm. that was what was expected and when you felt approval.
0: But the deal is this, the the more that we feel like we may not end up happy yeah. or the more that we feel like I'm going to get stuck in pain or the more mm-hmm. that we feel like I can't experience the joy that I really want to, the more that we are afraid of not having the thing that we're seeking, the more tempted we are to exaggerate yeah. our pursuit of that thing. So we end up overcompensating for whatever it is that we think that we lack.
2: Right. So if you're living in a regular fear that you just can't depend on others, that you have to create all the fun, all the opportunities for your life, a question to ask yourself is, what happened to my youth where I felt this loss of paradise or an inability to rely on those who are supposed to take care of me? And what is one small step I can take today to acknowledge this wound And begin to do the work of letting this wound heal. Because what goes unhealed goes septic. When we refuse to acknowledge our pain, to acknowledge the hurts from our past, we're also refusing to give God the opportunity to heal those places.
0: And and I think it's worth noting, too, you know, a lot of us, the more that we kind of ramp up this pursuit of Mm -hmm. happiness— a lot of times it is because we have some really profound wounds that yeah. are scaring us. Absolutely. Like we're we're really we're terrified to engage them. Um, we are really scared that if we do, that we'll sort of be swallowed up by depression and yes, sadness. Exactly. And um, and so, if you're in a place in life where you just find yourself sort of compulsively, your your brain is just going to the next adventure, the next exciting thing. You find yourself walking into rooms and just going, I cannot stand any level of discomfort in mm-hmm. this room there's a good chance. There's just stuff in your past and and the Lord is giving you a, a warning sign. It's mm-hmm. an invitation. Come, engage these things um, so that he can bring healing to you.
2: Yeah, and you don't have to do it alone either. Like if you have a trusted friend or find a counselor, those are the people who will make sure you don't get stuck in yeah. that pit.
0: Yep, yep. Okay, so second, let's talk about what the desire to be happy looks like when it is actually diminished. So these folks are like, Happiness does not appeal to me that much. I don't don't really care all that much about (laughs) having some fun.
2: So the basic rule we're keeping in mind is when any desire becomes exaggerated, it demands the other desires either serve it, so help it become bigger, or are slain by it, like they have to completely disappear. So I'm going to give a personal example here because it is kind of a running joke in the office that I don't like to have fun. And that's not true, but I do have a hard time sometimes engaging in silliness. Mm-hmm. And I've gotten a lot better. Mm-hmm. But in seeing this in these notes that as we were creating them, it was really apparent to me, oh, well, that's totally why. Because I had such an emphasis on being good, being exactly what people expected of me, never having people look at me like, she's weird. Like, what is she doing? Or like, that's not funny. You know, things like that. That it was like, well, it's safer for me and more comfortable for me to completely put that away than risk it messing with my other bigger desires. Mm -hmm. So I feel like that's a great example of it's pretty innocent. It doesn't it doesn't involve addiction. It doesn't involve like some big, horrible thing. It's just like my way of life became very rigid Mm -hmm. because I had a bigger desire than having fun.
0: Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, and I think it is it is worth noting, I think you you said this at the beginning, like even though like when you joined our team, like you kind of had like a reluctance mm-hmm. to engage mm-hmm. in a lot of sort of our playfulness around the office, yeah. like um, as you've done it more, you've kind of loosened up. Like yeah. there's a sense in which <laughs> you're like, you're like- I'm just hilarious you're now. You're just funny now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, also a good indicator that Even if it is diminished, it doesn't have to stay there. Like we can cultivate things. Yeah, you
2: can cultivate it.
0: Yeah, yeah. So uh, if you don't have a lot of desire to have fun, to play, to just be happy, to experience moments of joy, um, you got to ask yourself why. Mm -hmm. What in the world is going on that is prohibiting you from stepping into those things? Um, Are you worried that somehow if you do just sort of engage in fun and happiness and playfulness that you're going to behave in some way that's going to be, you know, make you feel guilty? Mm-hmm. Um, are you worried that uh, if you step into these things that it's somehow inauthentic, you know, yeah. uh, a lot of Enneagram 4s can kind of struggle with engaging mm-hmm. in, mm-hmm. you know, the fun side of things because, you know, the uh, the darkness is the real stuff, you know, and the joy <laughs> is sort of fake. Like, or uh, do you worry that somehow that even engaging these things is going to invite you into a space where you just don't feel comfortable? It's going to yeah. call you to action. In a way that you feel like, I don't know how to do that, mm-hmm. and so I don't know how to engage in all of that stuff. So if you don't care much about engaging in fun and happiness and joy and exploring all the good things that life has to offer, ask yourself, what competing desire do you have that feels threatened by this one? Yeah. And how can you bring that to God and then step out and actually begin to try, you know, put on mm-hmm. the training wheels, Go, go do Play some things, game. have some fun. Yeah. If you
2: need to call Jesse. He loves playing games. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Come come co-host a show with me. I'll make you play games every week.
2: <laughs> okay, finally, let's talk about what the desire to have this happiness and joy, what that looks like when it's healthy. And the thing that we're using as our, you know, ruler or guide for that truth is the chief desires that Jesus gives us when he tells us you should love God and love other people as you love yourself.
0: Yeah, so it's it's that desire that will rule all the others. Yes. And, and such good things come when that is the primary desire of our life. Mm-hmm. Everything else kind of comes into perspective. So all of a sudden, this desire to be happy doesn't become sort of this compulsive thing. It becomes something that's rooted in relationships. It's rooted in our love of God and other people and ourselves. And, you know, in this podcast, we talk a lot about the false self is who we are. We create this false self to try to live apart from Christ. Well, our true self is who we are, hidden in Christ with God. Um, so, what does that look like when we're pursuing happiness? It's going to look like uh, a, a person that's full of creativity. Mm -hmm. full of optimism, full of the belief that the story is going to end exactly as Mm -hmm. God has authored it to end, and that we can rest within that. You are able to trust the good news that God is not oblivious to you, that God knows what your needs are. He knows what your desires are. Mm -hmm. He wants to respond to it. He's a good father. You don't have to go generate all of the good, fun, exciting things in your life uh, you can trust God that even mm-hmm. in those hard moments, joy is coming.
2: Right. Yeah, that his dreams are bigger for you than your own dreams, but they do probably involve suffering. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So when we rely on God to take care of us, we're able to move from this gluttony, you know, needing more and more and more pleasure to sobriety, which we say is living in the reality of the moment without seeking distraction you
1: mm-hmm. can just be
2: present and grounded right here, whether it's super happy, completely neutral, or boring or painful. And this sobriety celebrates God's abundance while staying grounded in the present relationship with God, self, and others.
0: So, in the end, ultimately, do all of us want to be happy? I think that yeah. every human being would say, "I want to be, I want to be happy." Mm-hmm. Um, but it is the ability to to realize that it's not an either or, but it is a both hand. Yeah, the ability to pursue happiness uh, while also pursuing all of these other good desires as well, um, and not just allowing this desire to be the one to rule us, but letting our love of God, other people, and ourselves to be the thing that is driving us.
2: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs>
0: those are our notes on the desire to be happy and joyful, but we want to hear from somebody that identifies this desire as a driving force in their personality. So I was actually not here the day (laughs) that Lindsay had this conversation. So you're going to listen in on a conversation between Lindsay Lewis and Jackie Brewster.
2: Okay, today with us is Jackie Brewster. Jackie is a certified Enneagram coach, experiential specialist, author, and speaker who consults with teams and people across the country. She shares daily practical Enneagram content on her fast-growing Instagram page, Enneagram with JB. In her free time, Jackie loves to cook, work out, spend time with friends, and is constantly on the hunt for growth and spiritual development in her own life. She and her husband, Stephen, have four amazing children and live in Franklin, Tennessee. Jackie is the author of The Enneagram and Your Marriage, Hearing God Speak, and Enneagram Essentials. Welcome to the show, Jackie. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to get to know you a little bit better.
1: Oh, I'm looking forward to this, yes.
2: One thing we're talking about this season is these core desires. So the core desire for Type 7 is you know, to be happy or that deep satisfaction, you know, with their life, does that resonate with you? And do you have an early memory that reflects that desire? Yeah. So
1: as an Enneagram 7, I was just going for a walk yesterday with my husband and I'm like, I just, I'm a little bored. You guys, my life is very, very full. There is no reason for me to feel bored. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm a little bored. And he's like, what what's going on? I'm like, I don't know. I feel like I need to have fun. I need to do something that's fun. And so mm. I definitely resonate with this feeling of like happy, joyful, upbeat, positive. I want to feel excited. There's a lot of anticipation around different events and things like that. Mm-hmm. I think ever since I was a little child, my parents divorced when I was little. So I was raised Mm -hmm. by a single mom for quite a few years. And looking back even on those years, I really looked like, how do I make other people happy? Um, Because then I'll be happy too. So I think when I look back at that, it was a lot of like um, self protection in that, probably uh, around, you know, filling a void. I don't want to go to those lower emotions. I don't want to register you know, what it felt like for our family to fall apart. Even in those early years, my mom said like, I never cried when my dad left and I didn't cry during those pick up and drop off either. And so it really does resonate as an Enneagram seven, like, huh, I just kind of shoved those feelings. So I don't want to feel them and I want to avoid them. And so my desire is to figure out how to find happiness and joy on a daily Mm -hmm. basis.
2: That is such a good example because I have struggled. um, My seven is really low. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. when I take a test, Mm -hmm. it's really, really low. And so I've been on this journey to find more seven in myself. Mm -hmm. And one thing that I have had a hard time understanding was kind of the pain of a seven. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, that they can have this fear that they're not going to be taken care of. Like their needs are not going to be taken care of. And I think that story that you just told beautifully illustrates just that early, just something about the way you were wired was, okay, I'm in charge of happiness. I'm the happiness producer in this unit. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to make sure I'm happy, but I'm also looking to make sure everyone else is happy and that that's actually a really heavy burden.
1: Yes. It, it really does stem from those early childhood Memories and I, you know, the way that the Lord made me in general. You know, I'm pretty mm-hmm. resilient and different things like that. But when I look back, the childhood story of an Enneagram Seven, it does get lost in all of the the upbeat, fun, happy, spontaneous. Mm-hmm. What people think of, you know, people think of sevens like jumping out of airplanes and stuff, which I'm yeah. not doing. I'm just telling you, I'm not. I'm not <laughs> doing that. That is not my type of seven. Uh, but rose-colored glasses, you know, things like that. But it it does usually stem from an early experience of needing more nurture, and it doesn't yeah. mean that there was a neglectful parent or anything like that. It just means that the nurture was removed too early, so you had to learn mm-hmm. how to nurture yourself um, in some ways. And so when I began to unpack that in my own life. I have a great mom who is an Enneagram Mm -hmm. too. She's very kind, but she was going through a very traumatic event when I was little. And so I can see like, oh, I had to figure out how to make myself happy. And I really wanted my caretaker to be happy too. So I put a lot of emphasis on that. I'm still in, you know, in a relationship with my mom like that today. Like we're very, very close and Mm -hmm. I want her to be happy. So the pressure of that, it did, STEM early on, although I, I don't know that I would have never or ever realized that it was a pressure. I just kind of, I was funny and outgoing mm-hmm. and spontaneous. And you know what I mean? Like it, you just kind yeah, of, it was your superpower. This. Yeah. You just kind of start living this thing and you don't recognize that these are patterns of behavior because you start to believe this is who I am. Exactly. And so I love the work of the Enneagram because it lets us unpack the this is who I am. So you can really see, like, no, these are patterns of behavior.
2: And Absolutely, chasing that happiness comes with a cost. Honestly, yes, I think so many of us in our in our childhood and you know growing up years, we have a superpower. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that we're just kind of born with. We you know, or it's been nurtured from circumstances, or both. Mm-hmm. But the problem is when your superpower becomes. Your only tool, right, right that you're over identifying with this is all I've got to deal with life with is yeah. happiness, mm-hmm. and so i can i I cannot fathom mm-hmm. you know sitting with sadness or mm-hmm. slowing down you know those kind of things. I think you beautifully articulated that
1: it's been a journey, honestly. it's been a long journey of understanding how the avoidance of those lower emotions impacted my my own self my marriage Mm -hmm. and even raising children and how recognizing those lower emotions actually helps me to live a fuller life and find joy
2: at such a different level Mm, that's really good well stick with us because after this brief break we'll be back with jackie brewster
0: Here at LTN, we're all about helping people build better relationships. And we've actually created a brand new way to do that with our Say More conversation cards. Say More is a deck of 100 questions to kickstart engaging discussions. So there's silly things like, which famous cartoon character are you most like? And there's also serious things like, what has been your hardest goodbye in life? You can use our Say More cards with your family, your friends, on a date, at the office. My family and I have been using them at the dinner table, and I've learned things about my kids that I truly never knew before. To grab your own deck of Say More cards, go to lovethyneighborhood.org and click the store link at the top of the menu. And while you're there, grab a couple more decks. They make great gifts for Christmas or birthdays, and all proceeds go directly to support Love Thy Neighborhood. So. Go to org and click store and get ready to say more because better relationships are just a question away.
2: All right, we're back. I'm Lindsay Lewis and we're here with Jackie Brewster talking about the desire to be happy or satisfied. So, Jackie, We talk about that every core desire has, you know, a a false, you know, twin sister situation that we can settle for a lesser desire because it feels a lot like the real thing, but it's a little easier to get, Mm -hmm. but it's not lasting. So for the seven, we say, you know, that a seven, it's hard to tell the difference between a momentary pleasure and true happiness. Or another way we would say it is, you know, does amusement often feel the same as being truly satisfied? How does that strike you? That's interesting. Yeah, for sure.
1: It is that momentary, like, I want it now. And then I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh, but that didn't really satisfy me. Or man, I wish I wouldn't have done that. Like, I should have held out because there was something better. Mm. You know, there is that peace, but several years ago, years and years ago, I was in a really overwhelming season of raising babies and all this kind of stuff and I was really asking the Lord like I feel like I am not sane. I feel like I'm losing my mind. I feel like this is overwhelming. I want to escape this. Not I didn't want to escape my family. I just wanted I wanted something that felt like satisfying, something that felt exciting. It's something that did not feel mundane because I felt like I was in the middle of mundane. Um, and right. sevens don't do well with this. <laughs> and so, uh, I was really struggling with this, this feeling. And, um, I remember I was reading Lisa Turkers' best yes book. Mm-hmm. And I began to realize like, I have control over what I say yes and no to. So I have control over how different things are shaping out in my life. Like, mm-hmm. and so if I want something, what is it that I want? Like I needed to name it, you know, what is it that I want? And at that time it was kind of like, I don't even know what I want. I just don't want to feel like this, you know, I'm reading this book, the best yes. And then I'm reading in Proverbs and I read Proverbs eight twelve, And it says, I'm lady wisdom. I live next to sanity, knowledge and discretion, live just down the street. Mm. And I was like, oh my goodness, the very thing I'm praying for, Lord. I feel like I'm in a crazy season, and you're telling me how I can how I can have sanity in the midst of this chaos, of mm. um, babies. And my husband was a pastor, so in ministry, all kinds of stuff. And I drew a rectangle on a piece of paper, and I wrote wisdom, sanity, knowledge, and discretion on all the sides of it. You know, and I began to see like. Part of finding satisfaction and feeling filled up and um, understanding desire in general, I need to establish what boundaries look like so I can feel free. I can live free with inside those limits, like the limitations. I can I can have mm. some freedom inside of that. That was probably the first step of me understanding that, um, that momentary satisfaction is not going to give me joy. It's not. It's like a Band-Aid to this gash on my arm that it, it's just not going to do it. And so that was the beginning, I think, of a journey of like, okay, what does it look like to live inside these limits? Like this is the limitation of my life in that season. How do I find joy inside of this? And how can I live in a place of joy, of peace, of satisfaction, and that I, I don't feel like I have to escape to find it, but I can find it inside of my life. Does that make sense?
2: Yes, that is that is beautifully put that you think you want limitless options, Mm -hmm. boundlessness, you know, this Mm -hmm. have it all. But actually, once you were you knew the limits, you could thrive fully within the boundaries. Mm -hmm. That's really beautiful. And I could find the desires
1: in that for the season that I was in, because what I do today back then I might have wanted to do that, but I didn't have the bandwidth to do that at all. And so the longing of the, you know, sevens are notorious for anticipation. Like, it's going to be so amazing when I get there instead of living in the moment. And I feel Mm. like if I had not, if the Lord had not kind of woken me up to this, I would have missed so much of life thinking about the possibilities um, yeah. that I would one day get to, but in that season and in this season, I, it's the same thing. It's the rectangle. What does this season hold for me? How do I do this well? Mm. So it, you know, I adjust it according to honestly the ages of my children and what's happening inside of yeah. that, because that is the limits. I want to be present with my kids. And so how do I find joy and satisfaction inside of that?
2: Yes. That's a beautiful picture. I feel like I need to stop right now and go like get myself a piece of paper and like Do that exercise for myself, like okay, here's the boundaries, Mm -hmm. because I I have a teenager and a toddler, so Mm -hmm. it's kind of like we grew out of the little kid stage Mm -hmm. and was like okay, let's dream, let's find new desires, and I was like, and no, we're back with Mm diapers, like where, yeah, yeah, I'm always like where, yeah, where are my desires, what are my limits, Mm -hmm. you know, when am I settling, and when am I needing to just be patient. Because it's a season, you know, Mm -hmm. it's such a hard dance Mm -hmm. to figure out for moms. And I mean, I'm sure, and for dads too. It is. So you've talked to us today about, you know, you have these little kids and you had to find a way to live out your desires within the boundaries of small children, you know, husband and ministry, you know, what desire looked like then and we know a little bit about you today, which is that you're an excellent life coach. You've written several books. So how, what did the journey of desire look like as you stepped into the places that you are now? Like the desire to write a book, the desire to become a coach. How did you sort that out and step into it? That's a great question. For me, the the journey of feeling like there was purpose in me
1: since I was 13. I felt mm-hmm. something so young and I didn't know what it was. I got married at 21. We ended up in ministry and I feel like I lost myself in it. And so I was like, "Lord, I feel like there's this thing in me, but I don't know what it is." And you know, at 13 I'm like, "I'm going to be in youth ministry because that's all I knew." And then yeah. In my 20s, I, I I did a little bit of speaking in my 20s, wrote some curriculum in my 20s, and I'm like, oh, maybe I'm going to be a teacher of the word. Maybe that's what I'm going to do. Um, and then everything went silent for me for quite a few years. I had twins. One of them was born mm-hmm. with a lot of medical issues. And my whole world became survival. Survival. My whole world just became, how do I live inside of this? How do I raise these four children it just, it became very difficult for a yeah. lot of years. And so I remember being 38 and I wrote a blog and I thank God for editors because <laughs> yes. I don't know where commas go. Spelling is hard for me. <laughs> but I, I wrote this blog and it began to uncover, um, like it was like six weeks behind the curtain of our life. And mm. it was the most freeing thing I did. I was like, I'm going to tell the truth of what's happening. Even though we're in ministry, this is hard. It was the first time i felt released in a way that i felt free wow. in the position of mom wife and pastor's wife from there, a couple of years later, I felt like the Lord has said to me, like, it's time. And I was like, time for what? What are we doing? <laughs> like,
2: <laughs> I, <laughs> <everybody am again? laughs>
1: I know I'm like, I'm all like a little confused. What am I doing? But I had done a lot of therapy, years and years of therapy. I've done so much work around uncovering and discovering more about me, learning how to hold space for other people. Uh, we had gone through a lot of things and in, in the years of marriage and ministry that really softened my heart towards a lot of things. Uh, and so when I felt like the Lord is asking me to do this, well, I didn't know what this was. Let me say that. And my my husband said, hey, what do you think about getting certified as an Enneagram coach? I know you're really passionate about the Enneagram. You're passionate mm-hmm. about people finding who they are and finding healing and hope. And I was like, I love it. I felt supported by him. Mm-hmm. And that was probably the first step of me feeling like, okay, I feel like this is something. I'm excited about what this could be. And I also feel connected to my husband and supported by him. So Mm. I'm going to try this. I'm going to take a leap of faith and see what happens. And so as that began to unfold, I mean, the desires of my heart, I really feel like the Lord aligned them with his word. You know, I feel like I'm passionate about people, you know, seeing people healed and whole and helped. Mm. And I'm passionate about people um, feeling heard and celebrated and um, seen. And so all of those pieces just started to play out in a way that felt authentic to who I am. And, um, I think the doors that I began to walk through, I don't know that they were necessarily the desires of my heart. I was passionate about them. And then I feel like God was gracious and opening Mm -hmm. doors. And so as I walked through them, I began to dream a little bit more, a little bit bigger. And now I can see him take, you know, shaping those things. Mm -hmm. and, And I can see the desire that I have in the business that I do in the hope that I have for healing for people, I can see that happen, but I still feel like stay in your lane, girl, stay in your lane, like Mm. slow down, downshift. It's not time yet. Um, There's a lot of things that are like stirring and brewing in me, but I, I definitely feel like timing is essential to when all of this gets to play out.
2: Does that make sense? Wow. Absolutely. Yes. Thank you for sharing that. All right, our last question, and then we'll have a little bit of fun, Mm -hmm. is, you know, we talk about our chief desire goes back to the idea of loving God and then loving others as we love ourselves. Mm -hmm. So how does that motivation, that kind of golden rule situation, how does that reshape your desire for joy, happiness, satisfaction? Mm
1: -hmm.
2: So relationships,
1: right? So the first is like having a deep, intimate relationship with the Lord where I'm spending time with him. Mm -hmm. uh, I know what he thinks about me. Mm. So I'm in a relationship with the Lord where I feel celebrated. I don't feel tolerated. Uh, Mm. That really makes a huge impact where if I feel tolerated, then I feel like I'm just trying to make you happy, God. Aren't you happy with me? If I'm celebrated, I feel like Oh my Lord, look at all the doors you're opening. Like, I feel like I'm walking through this. I feel like you're with me in this. I don't feel like I'm alone. I feel like I can can run to you because you're the strong tower. I feel covered by you, Lord. You know, like that deep passion in relationship with the Lord, I think is so important. And then I think loving my neighbor as myself, I have to know myself. I have to love myself to be able to love other people. So really embracing who I am, flaws and all, and seeing that there's a purpose that the Lord has in me and my unique makeup uh, and learning to celebrate that again, rather than just tolerate it. Like, you know, thinking that there's something wrong with me because if you walk around feeling like you're a mess and you're going to be exposed, then you don't, you can't really tolerate other people either because there's a lot of like, oh, of course you're perfect. Or of course it's easy for you. Of course it's this for you. Um, So I feel like the shift in my life was that deep personal relationship with the Lord and then trusting that God loves me and, and that he, he says, like, I am who He says I am
2: mm-hmm.
1: and that He has purpose in it. And whatever that purpose is, just finding that purpose in, in who Christ said I am helps me to live in a way that there is deep joy. Mm and there is deep love. And I do see people through Christ's eyes. I want to I wanna love people well, and I don't want people to feel tolerated by me. I want them to feel celebrated. I want them to know I see them
2: as Christ sees them. Mm. Celebrate is such a good seven word, mm-hmm. you know? And mm-hmm. I love how you're using that word. You know, it's like you it's like this overflowing of celebration. Like you're being poured into that. God is like celebrating you. Mm -hmm. And that just fuels you to be like, and I'm going to celebrate all of you. Mm -hmm. Yes. Because Mm -hmm. I'm always looking back to God as like, he thinks you're amazing. Mm -hmm. So I think you're amazing. You know, I just love how you, your orientation around Mm -hmm. that, but it's also all involving celebration. Mm And I I just think that's such a great seven word. Like, Mm. It's a redeemed celebration. (laughs) Yes, it is.
1: I feel like I lived a lot of life tolerated. So when I I started to do this deep work and really, really uh, dig into my relationship with the Lord, I began to understand celebration looks a whole lot different. And being celebrated, uh, we can accomplish so much more when we feel like we've got people behind us, championing us and seeing us, pouring into us, speaking like life over us. Rather than correcting us and tearing us down, you know? So, man, that I, even the way that you just unpacked it, yes, celebrated feels appropriate for the seven, doesn't it?
2: (laughs) Yes, it's perfect. It's perfect. (laughs) Okay, well, stay with us because when we come back, we are going to play a game with Jackie Brewster.
0: Here at LTN, we believe that in order to be loved, you must be known. And part of being known means understanding who you are, which is why we created Mapping Your Enneagram Story. Mapping Your Enneagram Story is a workbook to help you map your life story and understand who you are. Using the lens of the Enneagram, you'll explore how the story you've lived has made you into who you are and why Jesus is the key to living a better story. To get your own copy of Mapping Your Enneagram Story, just go to lovethyneighborhood.org and click the store link at the top of the menu. There you'll find Mapping Your Enneagram Story plus all our other Enneagram content. And all proceeds go directly to support Love Thy Neighborhood. So go to lovethyneighborhood.org and click store. Mapping Your Enneagram Story. Find the clarity you need to have meaningful, long-lasting relationships.
2: Okay, welcome back. I'm Lindsay Lewis, and we are now going to play Two Truths and a Lie with our Enneagram 7 friend, Jackie. So, Jackie, here's what we're gonna do we're gonna both think of two truths that can be facts or, you know, little stories about yourself and a lie that correspond with your type, your personality, and then we'll each take turns trying to guess each other's lie. So I'll give you a minute and you can think, and then I can go first if you want.
1: No, you can go first.
2: Okay, you ready? Mm-hmm. Okay, here's mine. So on this Enneagram journey, in order to bring up some of my own suppressed desires, I have started participating in adult musical theater at our local community center. That's number one. Number two, I lived overseas in Paris for a little over two years as a missionary. And number three, at any given time, I have at least three beverages in my hand. So much so that my family has created a chant that goes like this. How many drinks does a mommy need? Let us count them, one, two, three. So. What do you think is the lie? (laughs) Mm,
1: The first one. Nope. No.
2: Truly. I did. Our uh, local community theater does a summer musical for adults. And last year I auditioned without telling anyone except for my husband and participated in the play. And then I am also just got cast for this current summer's musical. That is so fun production. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That is so fun. It's so funny. So the lie is I did live overseas as a missionary, but in Lyon, France, Mm. not Paris. So that's Mm. my lie. Okay. All right. Your turn.
1: Okay. I am truly a northerner. I grew up in Massachusetts in a small town called Rainham. Um, Mm. and you know, didn't move to the South until much older. This is the second one. One of my favorite trips that I've ever went on with my husband was to New York City. It was for my birthday. And we uh, stayed in five different hotels and five different oh nights. I wanted to see oh all gosh. of the different boroughs and have a different experience every night. Uh um, wow. And this is number three. I love theme parks. And so I may have a list of theme parks that I want to go to. And so we uh, make it a point to hit a theme park every year so I can
2: ride all of the roller coasters. Wow. How do I choose? Like those all have so many details that could be like lies, but they're all so seven-ish. It's <laughs> like, <this is> amazing. <laughs> Um, I'm like, if the New York one isn't true, I'm guessing that's like a bucket list thing for you. Yeah. And the number three sounds like it could also be very true. So I'm going to go with number one as the lie. Like maybe you're from the North, but a different town.
1: No, no. I'm from Massachusetts, small town. called Yeah, okay. that's true. Um, uh, New York trip, five hotels. True. That was my birthday present. I loved it so much.
2: Amazing.
1: Um, I do love theme parks. I do not like roller coasters. So I do not have a list of all the theme parks yes. that I want to go to. Um, nor do I want to go on roller coasters. So that would be the lie.
2: Okay. So that trip to New York, that yeah. would give me so much stress. <laughs> I'm <laughs> like, This so is how we fun. know, like people are just different. Yeah. Because I want to like unpack at a hotel or a house mm-hmm. and like, because I'm very self-pressed. Mm-hmm. So I want to know like This is my safe place. This is my food. My husband and I are actually both self-pressed. And Mm -hmm. so once we find a restaurant we like on vacation, if it's the two of us, Mm -hmm. a lot of times we'll go there like every single day. Yeah. Like once for breakfast, once for lunch, once for dinner. Because we're like, this is a place we know is good. Mm -hmm. And we don't want to risk not liking the other things. Isn't that funny? Yes.
1: I am typically self-pressed 7 um, but I've got a good amount of that one-to-one in me. Like I was growing mm-hmm. up more mm-hmm. one-to-one. Now I feel more self-pressed. But um, I feel safe with my husband. And so it allows yeah, so that's me your home to go to the city and uh, explore because I know I'm safe. Like I know yeah. the hotel will be nice. Some of those hotels in New York are little, like little yeah. tiny hotels. Like boutique. But yes I just it was um it was a bucket list dream so and he he makes my bucket list dreams happen so I'm very thankful wow okay well when we're besties
2: mm-hmm. you can take me to New York yes. <laughs> and show me all around yes and uh, all the food all the food yeah okay yes perfect all right now it is time for 11 quick questions So, Jackie, I'm going to ask you 11 questions. You can answer with one word, one phrase, or one sentence. Okay. You ready? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Number one, where is the place that you feel relaxed? My office. What is a food that you hate? I don't know. You don't have any aversions? Nope. (laughs) I don't. I guess I don't. That's amazing. (laughs) That's okay. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. Okay. What stirs up joy? Uh, having all my kids together. Hmm. What stirs up sadness?
1: Um, feeling disconnected from my partner. Hmm. What is the last book you read and enjoyed? Oh, this is so crazy, but Francine Rivers wrote a book, um, the lineage of Christ.
2: Hmm. And
1: I, it's like an oldie, but a goodie. I love that book. I still think about it all
2: the time. That's awesome. I'm gonna have to check that out. Summer reading. What is the last book you read and didn't enjoy? Oh, I don't typically not
1: enjoy books. So um, I don't have one on that list for that. I will find something to
2: enjoy. That's great. Um, If you could own an unusual pet, what would it be? Hmm, a monkey. Cute. What is your coffee
1: shop order? It is a skinny vanilla latte
2: with a shot of cinnamon dolce. Ooh, That's fun. What is one personal vice that you would like to get rid of? TikTok. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What is one thing you would convince the world of if you could? Like you could write it in the sky and everyone would believe it. Oh my gosh. Self-awareness changes the game. Oh, yeah. What is a current desire that you have? I want to host retreats. Awesome. Well, Jackie, thank you so much for being with us today. You are truly a joy, which is great because you're a seven. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. This has been wonderful.
0: If you benefited at all from this podcast, please help us out by leaving a review wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Your review will help other people discover our show. Special thanks to our guest today, Jackie Brewster. You can learn more about Jackie by heading over to EnneagramWithJB.com. Also, follow her on Instagram at EnneagramWithJB. Her content is incredible. She's got a huge following. Head over there. Check her stuff out.
2: Also, special thanks to Crosspoint Ministry, who helped train us in the Enneagram and also about desire. You can check them out at CrosspointMinistry.com.
0: This show is brought to you by Love That Neighborhood. If you want a hands-on experience of missions in our modern times, come serve with Love That Neighborhood. We offer summer and year-long missions internships for young adults ages 18 to 30. Bring social change with the gospel by working with an innovative nonprofit and serving your urban neighbors.
2: Experience community like never before as you live and do ministry with other Christian young adults. Grow in your faith by walking in the life and lifestyle of Jesus and being a part of a vibrant, healthy church. Apply now at lovethyneighborhood.org.
0: This episode was written by Lindsay Lewis and myself. Anna Tran is our media director and producer. Music for today's episode comes from Lee Rosevere and Murphy DX. I'm Lindsay Lewis. And I'm Jesse Eubanks. Remember, the eye can see everything but itself. Find people to journey with you because you were created for community.